0: Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, Jim Ostrowski is joining me once again. Jim is a trial and appellate lawyer and author from Buffalo, New York. He graduated from St. Joe's Collegiate Institute in 1975, my own alma mater, and he obtained a degree in philosophy from the State University of New York at Buffalo in 1980 graduated from Brooklyn Law School in 1983. Jim's devoted much of his career to the fight for freedom, and he's just come out with a new book, one of many he's written, and this one is called Free the Children, How Red State Americans Can Liberate Their Children from Government Schools. And he's here to talk about it with me today. Jim, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back, Tom. It's always great to be on.
0: You've called your book Free the Children. Talk a little bit about the title and why do they have to be free from something that's making them more educated and potentially better citizens?
1: That's a good question. These ideas kind of pop into my head when I'm in the shower on a walk. And I just thought that that would be a good title for a book. I wanted to do a sequel to Government Schools Are Bad for Your Kids. And I've kind of had this project on my website, Free the Children, calling it Free the Children to just encourage people to leave the schools. And then I realized that, well, there might be a political strategy here. I I normally don't recommend political strategies as opposed to direct action type strategies. But I thought the Republicans are always talking about school choice and how they're against big government, they're against socialism. And I thought, well, you people control 23 states. Why don't you just get rid of this failed experiment of government schools in your own states? And so. It just had that idea for the book and came up with this idea. I think it was in July, started writing it. I mean, practicing law full time plus, but so I finally, I finally got it out. So it's, it's kind of a sequel, but also has kind of a a new political strategy that wasn't uh, mentioned in the first book, which is in the schools that the Republicans do control. And given the fact that the dissatisfaction with the schools has increased during the lockdown and over time and and because critical race nonsense it'd be a good time to to say hey let's let's start dismantling these institutions in the states
0: they control you talk a little bit about the so-called and I've got the air quotes up good schools if a parent in the suburb believes well well this is something that's a problem with the inner cities but I'm sending my child to a good school out here in the more affluent suburbs why is that not the answer
1: well that's classic to think that It's classic to think, well, yeah, the bad schools are in the uh, cities and the good schools are in the suburbs. But I think it was Manhattan Institute did a nice study on this, which is quoted in both books. And they looked at delinquency. And I think they looked at drug use, teenage pregnancy, and vandalism or sort of petty crime in and around the schools. And they found that rural schools urban schools and suburban schools had roughly the same percentage. So then when you look at, when you look at uh, the propaganda, that's the same all over it's all coming sort of from above. It's all coming from the fact that the left sort of did the long march through the institutions and they control everything. Now, I as I, I always I gripe around us that the left controls everything. Let's, let's just admit it. So they control the, the state universities where teachers are, are being educated. So, and, the political activism of teachers. So I used Clarence, New York, which is a town that's you're obviously familiar with. It's your classic affluent Republican suburb. So in the first book, and again, I sort of update the research for the second book. There, the, the teachers union in Clarence gives 94% of their money to the Democratic Party. All the other problems aside, by using these schools... You are indirectly subsidizing the Democratic Party, which you apparently uh, vote against on election day. So, the this, this, the suburban schools are, are 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 not an answer. And and basically, not to get a little too off track, but the people who do well in the in, in the affluent suburbs, they would do well. They do well because largely their upbringing. There's books in the house. There's been studies on this that, that correlate. How many books did you have in the house growing up? That pretty much is a good predictor. The educational uh, level of the mother uh, in some of the studies turns out to be critical. So these these kids would do well anywhere. You don't have to send them to Clarence High. They would do well in a private school. They would do well homeschooling. So really all you're doing is you're, you're you're having these huge property taxes that you have to pay and you're subsidizing the very party that you claim you oppose.
0: Yeah, and you do have a chapter where I think it's the chapter's called Teachers Are Agents of the Democratic Party. Talk about how politically active they are, besides just contributions, and why yep. that is.
1: They're extremely active. And like my job in the movement, I guess, is just to say things out loud that haven't been said because so, i've been in politics for 48 years i know how it works so they're they do phone banks their phone banks are legendary they donate not only does their union donate money they individually donate money They volunteer for campaigns. So again, you're subsidizing the army of the Democratic Party when you patronize these schools. And that's one of the arguments I make in the book. I'm trying to appeal, let's face it, I'm trying to appeal to Republicans because they're the ones that control these 23 red states, which are all in the cover of the book. They go from New Hampshire to, looks like Arizona, and then Idaho to Florida. And it's 40% of the country. So I'm not saying blue state people shouldn't read the book. Of course, everybody should read the book. But we need to start this thing in the red states in order to show that it's successful. And then we could carry it over to the blue states later.
0: And it's timely. This morning, there was an article in the Buffalo News about all the people, even here in deep blue New York, although Western New York's a little bit of a different story from, let's say, downstate. But all the people running for school board trying to change what people are being taught and just the nature of the beast.
1: The problem, Tom, with that is, as I talked about in, in the book, politics is basically rigged. And this is one of the themes of my work. I talked about it in Political Class Dismissed, which has a lot of war stories about when I was a young Democratic Party activist. Politics is basically rigged and school board elections are, and I don't mean illegally rigged, rigged, I mean, legally rigged. So in school board elections, here's the problem is the, the turnout's about 10%. It's mostly people who have a special interest in the, in the outcome of the election. So there's been, there, there have been these, you know, waves of reform. Oh, let's run for the school board. And generally speaking, it doesn't work. And then I have sort of an axiom based on 50 years of this. All reformers become hacks. When reformers do get on there. They start to get socialized into the the way things are, and after a few years, they tend to sort of identify with the ins instead of the outs that voted them in there. So I wish them all well. I hope they change things. But even if you get on the school board, you have the Federal Department of Education, you have the State Department of Education, you have the civil service bureaucracy of the teachers. There's very limited scope for what you can do. And that's why I have a chapter in the book, but you can't reform these places. But some people have to learn the hard way. Go out and do your school board thing. If it doesn't work, join me. I'd be happy to have you in the movement.
0: (laughs) And before we get to some of the suggestions you have, you know, I know plenty of public school teachers, nice people. And I think if I said to them, Jim Ostrowski says you're an agent of the Democratic Party, their first answer would be, no, I, I don't care at all about politics. I'm just there to teach kids. Do you think that there's, to some respect, a lot of people that kind of teach this left wing orthodoxy without even realizing that it's there's any other possible truth besides that one?
1: Well, that's the thing. Progressivism, they're, they're not they're not self-aware and this this. I deal with that in my book on progressivism. But, you know, my great, I I like to say my great, my grandparents, when they were teenagers, grew up in a progressive country. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of in the background, it's implied. And yes, so they don't really understand that just by their very existence as the person raising our kids the government school is the main, I understand this, believe me, I, the government school building and ca- campus is the main building in a lot of uh, towns. It's it's om- almost implicit. And then the teaching, everything is sort of shaded to, yes, FDR, we needed FDR, we needed Wilson, we needed Lincoln, we needed Hamilton to come in and after those bad Jeffersonians screwed up the economy, which they didn't do. It's all, yes, they may not be aware because progressives by nature, well, they all, they all, they, they live is that they live in an echo chamber. Like they don't, they're not even aware that there's another way to look at the world other than the sort of left progressive democratic view. So yes, they're not really particularly self-aware.
0: I've beat this to death on more than one podcast, including the last one I did about the school system, but. What really hit me once I got out in the real world is how anti-capitalist it is. And as an example, even the right-wingers have stumbled across the fact that the pilgrims were originally communist and they only saved themselves from starving by ditching the communist system and giving everybody their own land to farm. And of course, that was also true in Jamestown. Now we have this immensely popular Disney movie about Pocahontas, and the Jamestown colony which also completely leaves this out and it just strikes me that i can't believe that my grade school teachers were communist operatives especially since a lot of them were nuns in the catholic school i went to but we'd spend weeks and weeks on thanksgiving and ignore the central lesson of the pilgrims which is that communism is lethal and private property is essential to survival And I would think that a public school teacher today has no idea about that, not because they're consciously trying to suppress it. They've just never been exposed to it.
1: Yeah, I can't agree more. And really, I'd love to say that the Catholic schools are significantly better. But in the Catholic schools I went to, I got kind of a vaguely progressive, big government view, and I had to sort of find libertarian ideas later on. But a lot of that actually, oddly enough, is driven by the the textbook industry, the nature. And I talk about this in the first book, that the the government schools being 90% of the market, they kind of dominate the textbooks. And so the Catholic schools kind of they have a limited selection. So the the selection they have is is pretty much what the what the government schools have already put out there in the marketplace. So yes, you're 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 correct about that. And and really in recent Years and in months and weeks, I've been more focusing in on homeschooling, and and I really hope that the increase in homeschooling will be a message to the, the Catholic and other private and religious schools. They have to get their act together, or they're they're going to continue to lose people because there's a large segment of the population that doesn't want their kids brainwashed. They want them, you know, it's fine to expose them to all the different ideas that are out there. But could you? possibly expose them to the tradition of liberty that goes back to 1650 and created the united states that would be nice wouldn't it
0: let's take a short break for this important message friends if you like to read books as much as i do there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in well i have great news Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to com slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. And you do mention things like critical race theory that have people, especially conservatives, fired up right now. And, you know, again, that goes back to my central theme. The fact that the word races in it kind of sends the discussion in one direction. But really what it is is just a subset of critical theory, which is a strategy that was created by Marxists to deal with the fact that there was no proletarian revolution... And there was no proletarian revolution because the proletariat's lives were much better under capitalism and the industrial revolution than they had been when they were back on the farm. So they said, well, we've got to come up with something else because obviously these people are never going to revolt as their living standards keep skyrocketing. And again, I think that most public school, grammar school, high school teachers have no idea who Herbert Marcuse is or any of the people who founded the Frankfurt School, and they might just be recycling these ideas without even realizing what their ultimate purpose is, which is to achieve a socialist society.
1: Well, you said it better than I could. They're, they're fabricating a, a new proletariat. And what I did in the book is not only criticize critical race theory, but also explain that, well, the, the function it serves is really one of the functions that serves is scapegoat racism for the actual failure of progressive big government to lift up black people and i fortunately have written a little monograph on that and i quote it uh quote it in the book i mean it, not to get off on that tangent but the real problem with 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 blacks in america is that after they ended slavery quote but they didn't free they didn't free the slaves in other words that they, they then became subject to sort of an endless series of big government oppression and this is this is what's this is what's crowded out when you when you uh, when you talk about critical race theory it's the fact that they're really scapegoating and covering up the real the real problem with blacks in America is the same problem of whites in America you're oppressed by big government and that's one of the messages that I hope to get through in the book
0: it seems like no coincidence that they finally got rid of Jim Crow in 1964. And the very same year, they launched all these programs, and here come the air quotes again, to help African Americans. And they just destroyed them. And Thomas Sowell did so much great work on this. I had read so many of his articles before, but never had read his civil rights rhetoric or reality. And it's just astounding how many of the things that are being pushed as cutting edge today he just destroyed almost 40 years ago in that book it was written in the 1980s and it's just all the same recycled nonsense and this is the thing that has killed african-american families and turned around their upward trajectory in living standards and all sorts of other metrics
1: well, I pointed it out in the monograph. It's called Progressive Big Government's War on Black People, 1865 to 2021. But yes, after slavery, they did make a tremendous amount of progress, even though there were obstacles in their path. But in, at the peak of the Great Society it was like 1965. If you take 1965 to the present, they basically stagnated and in, in, in some cases actually actually declined. And it's a real tragedy. As long as we're doing neo-Marxist brainwashing, though, young people are, and everybody else are not going to be exposed to the actual facts of this, which is that big government progressivism in many different ways. I talk about the various stages of it. The New Deal hurt Black people. Woodrow Wilson's policies hurt Black people. The Great Society programs, by and large, hurt Black people. The War on Drugs hurt Black people. The Vietnam War hurt Black black people. And LBJ fought that to protect his right flank. So LBJ is not the hero in this story.
0: No, certainly not. So getting back directly to the book, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I have kind of a fuzzy idea about this myself. I know the Federal Department of Education, which has only been around about 40 years, so this is not something that's just its roots are so deep it couldn't be uprooted. But I know they have a lot to do with funding. They have a lot to do with sending everybody to college, doesn't matter what for. How much influence do they actually have, in your opinion, over what gets taught at the local level in schools? i'm not really
1: an expert on that but i know that i think they have like maybe seven percent of the funding and that they're putting strings on that and they do there's not a lot of research ability at the state local level they probably do a lot of the research that results in some of the curricula that that many people object to so they they have a negative and pernicious influence but you know if if let's say tennessee Decides to move away from government schools, phasing them out as I suggest, not just get getting rid of them, but phasing them out, starting with repealing compulsory education. The federal government's role in there would be less and less. And frankly, if if half of the states got rid of government schools, I think the I think the Department of, Department of Education would probably be phased out as well because it would only be servicing a small number of states.
0: You say that the GOP, the Republican Party, can finally prove it's not a fraud. What kinds of things practically can they get done in the next, let's say, three, four elections?
1: Well, the the most important thing, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow to actually realize that government schools are a form of socialism. We never needed them. They never worked and they don't work now. And we need to get rid of them. That's going to be tough to swallow. But the one thing that they could do immediately is repeal the compulsory school laws that would have the following effects the basis for regulating homeschooling in private school is the compulsory school law so if you're not compelling people to attend quote public school and then say yes but if you do x y and z you don't have to go there would be no x y and z so homeschooling would be freed up you you'd have the market freed up to experiment I mean, let's face it, brick-and-mortar schools are a pre-digital technology. They're obsolete. If you look at it in that sense, they're kind of an information technology where the kid's two feet walked down and the teacher took a horse to the, the little red schoolhouse and the teacher's brain was the information technology or the few books that they had. We don't need that. We have the internet. I'm not suggesting the kids should be on the internet all day. Believe me, I don't. They should be out in the fields. They should be trying to grow food on a farm. They should be doing all sorts of stuff out in the field and sports. But the bottom line is, we you have access on a laptop or a a smartphone to basically all recorded human knowledge. So the 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 government school building itself, which is kind of a prison, looks like a prison. It's obsolete. So the reason, but we we handicap the free market in providing educational solutions. So I think what you'd have is you'd have a, a variety of, of, of experimentation. You'd have homeschooling, unschooling, part-time. You'd have part-time pri- private school and then a couple days a week or a few hours a day, and then they'd go home and do homeschooling or start to learn trades if, when once they get older and work in the family business. So this, that, I, I think that would just freeing up Without technically abolishing the government schools entirely, you would have such a creative revolution that eventually people would just leave this, the government schools because it wouldn't even be cool to be there anymore. They wouldn't be productive, and then then we could phase them out. So I think that's the number one, like pragmatic. Yes, I put I put all my chips on the table. Get rid of these things, great, phase them out, so nobody suffers in the meantime. If you're in the school, but what I'm if we can come away with immediate repealing these compulsory school laws, that would be tremendous victory for us.
0: I can already hear the objection to that, and I've heard forms of it before, which is, okay, you do that, and all of the affluent and middle-class kids, yes, there will be a way for them to get educated, but the poor kids will not, and these public schools that are left will be only left with kids that nobody wants. What do you say to that? Well, that's a
1: big one and maybe that's the biggest issue of all so you have to look at it analytically before we had these mandatory mandatory attendance laws there was generally there was general schooling in in the western world already in the first book i talk about studies about in the third world where the so, some of these places they're not developed enough to, to even have a government school apparatus. There are ways to educate. There's successful ways to educate without tremendous amount of money. The, the internet itself, again, the, there's so many, like you and I both know that if you want to study any particular subject, you really need a, all this. If you take all the free podcasts and videos and, and audios on, on, on the web, and some of the colleges are are putting their curriculum out there for free. You know that there's there's enough hours in the day or years in your life so to to absorb all that knowledge. So the cost the internet's actually bringing down the cost of education. But moreover let, let's look at we always we always progressives judge their pro, their policies by their promises. But we judge their policies by their actual performance. So in the first book, I said, well, 20% of Americans are functionally illiterate and 10% of the students at any given time aren't even there. So we we right now, we don't educate poor people and, and disadvantaged people. And, and what I pointed out in a I hope humorous video I did the other day, 13 minutes long. I started out in front of the Buffalo City Court and I, I didn't tell anybody I was in front of the Buffalo City Court before I flipped the camera, but I said, look, we're looking for these missing 10%. Where are these students? So and then I flipped to Buffalo City Court and I said, I know where they are because I do criminal law. They're in arraignment part one. They're in our jails. They're in our state prisons. So we're not properly educating poor and disadvantaged people right now. So it's an excellent question, but the premise of the question is mistaken. And that's why we need to start freeing the children. I got attacked by this crazy group years ago for they read government schools are bad for your kids which explicitly argues that government schools poorly serve uh, minorities and disadvantaged uh, communities and of course the review said he doesn't seem to care about the poor so no I I do care about the poor I represent the poor as a criminal defense lawyer and I've rarely represented anybody who went to a private school I'm not saying private schools are perfect and I know I've never represented a homeschooler The people I've represented over the years came out of these institutions. And let me just say this, then the counter argument is, yeah, but they're poor and disadvantaged. And I say, wait a second, that's the whole point of these schools. You were going to fix all that. Yeah, but we can't. Okay, well, but then we're right that the schools can't fix these problems. So why have them? Let's create better alternatives that, that might actually work. And some of the things, if we get rid of the trillion dollar expenditure, that money filters out into the into the market, it improves the economy. Some of the parents of these kids would have more money in their pocket. So if you look at it from sort of a global synergistic perspective, I think you have to be optimistic about it. and, and not.
0: Yeah, we'll have to have you back to talk about some of the ways the government crushes minority entrepreneurship because that's another whole subject and keeps them from rising economically that way. And it occurs to me just from your comments a moment ago, that the knock on the Trump movement is that these conservatives are really more like reactionaries and they want to go back to the 1950s. But, When you're holding on to this public school model, I mean, you're really holding on to something that's rooted in 1880s Prussia, much less uh, America. So, And it hasn't changed since then, has it?
1: Yeah. I'm hoping that people read both books. What order, it doesn't matter. But in the first book, I talk about some of the early pioneers and Martin Luther was a big advocate. Does anybody really think that we should have a model of education i'm not trying to offend lutheranism it's a fine religion but does anybody really think that martin luther should should be the lead reformer on schools and yes and you make the excellent point how reactionary the advocates of government schools are and and again you can't get around the fact that these are pre-digital look the digital revolution whether you like it or not is slowly destroying all pre-digital institutions the government school is a pre-digital institution, folks. So we're the progressives. We're, we're going forward, like Obama's sign said. And you guys are all reactionaries back in the 16th, 17th century.
0: Jim, I know that you're going to be out promoting the book, and I saw some social media posts about some of your travels. Where can people come and see you speak?
1: I don't have anything scheduled now, but I think my next one will be in Rochester. I'm planning a trip up to New Hampshire, which is a, a red state. And I'm going to get down to West Virginia, Ohio, and Indiana, because they're all red states, which are within driving distance of Buffalo. But basically, anybody wants me to speak on the subject, I'll, I'll try to make arrangements to get there. So people can contact me at, you know, Jim Ostrowski on Twitter or Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find on the web.
0: We'll post links to all of your um, social media and your website and, of course, to the book on Amazon. And best of luck. I hope it hits home and rouses some of these conservatives and maybe some liberals, too, who'd like to improve education. That's what they say they want to do. Can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result.
1: Thanks a lot. I'm I'm optimistic about this one. I have 11 items on Amazon, but I'm going to market this more heavily now that my law practice isn't quite as busy as it's been over the years.
0: Great, Jim. Keep us posted and hope we'll be able to talk soon and have you back.
1: Thanks a lot, Tom.
0: Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. If you haven't already, don't forget to download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed Stupid at itsthefedstupid.com. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.